when you are listening to the podcast in conversation with IPR and competition law india's first exclusive podcast on competition law widely listened in 47 countries we invite competition lawyers and ip attorneys professionals and competition authorities on a podcast to discuss the law trends and jurisprudence in antitrust law i am aditya trivedi founder and head of the competition law team of the podcast and your host Let's welcome our esteemed guest for today's episode, Dr. Claudio Lombardi, lecturer in law, University of Aberdeen. Welcome, sir. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me and for having me. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure introducing Dr. Claudio to the audience. He is a lecturer in law at School of Law, University of Aberdeen, Scotland, United Kingdom. He is also the director of Eurasian Center for Law, Innovation, and Development at. Kimap University he specializes in competition law and policy law and economics of innovation and private comparative law before that he was assistant professor at Kimap University using CLS fellow at Cambridge University faculty of law and a visiting lecturer at the International University College of Turin visiting professor at Trinity College Dublin and research fellow at University College London and postdoctoral research fellow at the Max Planck Institute for Comparative and International Private Law. He has published extensively in competition law and policy, regulation of digital platforms and private comparative law, and he is a licensed attorney in Italy. It's a pleasure having you, sir. And today we'll be discussing competition law and digital news industry. Starting the conversation right away, we see, sir, from the industrial revolution to the internet revolution, as we say, we have seen growth in information markets. Please elaborate, sir, with your viewpoint. Yeah, so we uh, we've seen that the invention of the printing press in the 15th century has prompted the creation of market for news. However, we start seeing a real market for news the creation of real new market for news only in the 17th century, first in Germany and then in England. Now, fast forward the 20th century, we see that journalism and press publishers have increased tremendously their popularity, but also their power, especially after the Second World War, and have grown to become, in some cases, large corporate group of sweeping and vast powers, even on the same governments that they were monitoring. And indeed, we know that um, although that there are different types of journalism, public interest journalism is generally defi- defined as a mainstay of our modern democracies as it aims to keep the powers that be in check, right? So for the same reasons, we have devised a number of legal mechanisms to make sure that journalism actually pursues these objectives. However, this internet revolution has drastically changed the way we receive and perceive information. We have now an ubiquitous and uninterrupted presence of online services that allow us to search and, uh, and receive information Um, for example, through search engines and social networks uh, on um, instantly and uh, and also receive and uh, and find a virtually infinite amount of information uh, 
that is just at our fingertips. And this has made it access to information cheaper and ever easier um, in the history probably of humankind. But it has also endangered the position of the traditional creators and in particular press publishers that are struggling to monetize their content on the internet. So whilst we see that in the 90s they were uh, there were media moguls and media, uh, large media corporate groups that were thriving, uh, the internet revolution has also revolutionized the way we uh, receive information and the and the way this information is also created because has dramatically changed the um, the, uh, the 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 way in which market actors can monetize their information on the internet and can present their information on the internet so uh, press publishers to be more clear, have three main revenue streams, which is single print purchase, subscriptions, and advertisements. Although on the rise, subscriptions are still a, a fraction of a fraction of the advertisement revenues. And print purchases have declined for at least 20 years now. So what they need uh, at the moment is access to um, advertisement revenues. However, this has been complicated by the relationships between digital platforms and content creators, in particular press publishers, uh, because digital platforms are not only the conduits to um, readerships and uh, and visitors to the to the press publishers' websites, but they are also um, the, the providers of the advertising dollars and um, and this has left especially small and local publishers with um, with with very few resources to deal with these changing uh, market structures and market uh, with this changing market. Now, many say that uh, press publishers have failed to adapt to the times that were changing. This is probably true, actually. Uh, for many, this is true. But this was also predictable because many press publishers did not have neither the size nor the resources to invest in um, in the in in the digitalization of their uh, of their infrastructure when this was still extremely expensive and knowledge intensive so we've seen that this, this market has changed dramatically since the 17th century uh, however, there are some problems that we can um, we can still see, um, and that can be discussed today with reference to the same markets that we saw in the 17th century. For example, intellectual property issues and um, 
uh, and uh, unfair competition law issues sure sir thank you so much for enlightening us regarding the growth of uh, internet of revolution especially the growth of information markets we have seen a dynamic shift a paradigm shift in the newspaper industry with respect to the press publishers because businesses have to change with times but these are challenging times a lot of new technologies are coming in which is also giving them a level playing field but also giving them a kind of a challenge to adopt and change it is the only constant as we say so it's a very technical thing it's a very difficult also and also a visionary aspect of human uh, evolution as we see the growth of internet but it comes with challenges so let us discuss that we see that as the newspaper industry has been traditionally offline since its start there is a power imbalance between digital platforms and the newspaper industry so what do you think about it yes thank you for this so th- th- there is lot to say here but um let's start from from an observation uh, most people access information through a digital platform been in a search engine like google or a social network like facebook the same platforms control the advertisement market as i was saying before which is the main revenue stream for both legacy and internet native publishers and content creators now as a result digital platforms have the upper hand in negotiations of fees and payments for the utilization of the content that publishers create moreover while digital platforms tend to have vast economic power certain content re- so content creators in particular independent and local newspapers tend to be quite small and lack any expertise or even information that they can use to their advantage in negotiations now here for example in this regard a new report has found out that nearly half of those who use news aggregators and and other platforms to access information uh, browse the news without even clicking to the publisher's website which does reduce also further the internet traffic and ad revenues on that publisher's website on the other hand digital platforms are crucial partners so on one, on the one hand digital platforms are somehow competing with um with publishers for the user's attention on the other hand though digital platforms are also crucial partners of prep, of press publishers as they can connect them with their audiences and indeed most readers land on news on a newspaper's page via digital platform so as a result uh digital platforms are friends and foe of uh content creators and have become also the gatekeepers this is a very uh, this is a buzzword now for competition lawyers of potential and actual readers um and as i said before uh in addition to that probably one of the most important bits is that digital that digital platforms also control the advertising space that constitute the main newspapers uh revenue source so they become unavoidable business partners for um for digital media creators and 
uh, problem is that these uh, uh, when we talk about digital media content creation we also uh, talk about public interest journalism which is uh, hard to be um, precisely defined but we can say that is all that uh, local and um, uh, and international journalism that serves the public interest now um, especially in this case especially for public interest journalism historically the main concern has been to ensure enough media diversity from the point of view of competition law and this has happened depending on the jurisdiction with a mix of regulatory tools that normally included also merger control um, that was aimed at avoiding concentration that may limit media plurality so that was the traditionally the um, the target of competition law in the media business however nowadays digital platforms have a fundamental role in determining editorial control over the news content they can indeed also uh, choose what sources we access they can rank them they can also moderate the discussion around this news uh, and despite this the we see that for example the new proposal for a european medium freedom act still maintains a quite traditional stance on the restriction to be imposed on media mergers by excluding digital platforms from this so um, on media we can still do um, on media mergers we can still do quite a lot um, in order to pursue these um, public interest concern that has been highlighted in many pieces of legislation around the world um, which is again the protection of public interest journalism uh, now we see these issues appearing also in other um, uh, in antitrust enforcement for example the French antitrust authority and the Paris Court of Appeal have decided no long ago a case concerning an abuse of dominance and economic dependence between Google and, and several uh, French news publishers now the dominance mainly originated from the fact that the digital platforms uh, the digital platform is the conduit for the newspaper readership and it's also the main source of advertising dollars, as we've seen before. Uh, as the French authority documented, news publishers were actually economic dependent on Google. Um, and for this reason, an interim decision was taken and then was confirmed by the, um, um, was made and then was confirmed by the Paris Court of Appeal. However, then the French newspapers uh, joined forces and negotiated outside of these uh, procedures nego negotiated um, agreements for the licensing of their content to google and apparently they are now happy enough to about this this deal to continue without pursuing that case however we see that um, this has been in France 
has been almost an exceptional achievement of operationalizing what is Article 15 of the DSM Directive, uh, which obviously the implemented the French implemented version of Article 15, which grants an ancillary right to press publishers for two years after publication. So during this period, they, thanks to these new ancillary rights, press publishers can collect levies from information societies, service providers, as they are defined, digital platforms in short, we can call them, uh, that intend to publish their news or part of it. Um, now, this Article 15 introduces a right that is connected to the author's copyrights. And thus, it also establishes that authors shall receive an appropriate share of the revenues that press publishers uh, receive. Now here there is a, without going into the details of these, um, of the enforcement of this Article 15, but I believe there is a problem of finding appropriate metrics to A, establishes what is an appropriate uh, sh uh, first of all, what is a fair compensation for press publishers? And then also what is an appropriate share of the revenues that the press publishers have received? Um, the, uh, the directive does not elucidate or explain or give any uh, detail, obviously, being it a directive about what, uh, how these shares have to be calculated. However, this will be probably one of the main issues that we will see in the future for the enforcement of these, um, of these Article 15. Also because here we have, and we go back to the issue of the competitive dynamics between press publishers and, um, and uh, digital platforms, there are problems of information asymmetry in this market that are remarkable. So we see that, um, first of all, the market is very opaque. So there is a problem of transparency that has been uh, highlighted by several antitrust authorities, uh, including the CMA uh, that has published an advice paper lately, uh, together with the Ofcom in the UK. And they have repeatedly said that there is a problem of transparency in this market that doesn't allow um, press publisher to access, for example, user data, but also data related to how the, <clears throat> um, the advertisement fees are calculated over the content that they, uh, that they publish, how many readers they, and visualization they receive on uh, on this website, how many times this uh, content is used over their platforms. So there is a problem in general of transparency in these markets, but also a problem of branding and control over the presentation of their contents that further reduces their power to, um, um, to uh, uh, attract the attention of potential readers. Uh, 
I believe though that together with all these problems that are um, explicitly and directly related to competition law enforcement, there is also another problem that we can um, that that we are witnessing at the moment, which is that uh, we have a a progressive reduction in the quality of the content that has been that is uh, disseminated throughout the internet and in general by uh, press publishers this is not my impression this is not anecdotal evidence is there are several studies that have proven that in particular with local news for example we see uh, the opening of several news deserts as they are called um, everywhere in the world from europe to the united states uh, but also the average quality of news has been uh, uh, dramatically impacted by the lack of investments in quality journalism because most of quality journalism is journalism that lead that needs long-term investments which are not feasible in a market where um, advertisers and digital platforms are looking for uh, immediate engagement of readerships um, so this is another important issue that um, that not only competition law that we uh, we can uh, try to tackle by using different regulatory tools, including competition law, perhaps, not only the ex post remedies that we are very accustomed to use, but also the ex ante um, regulatory tools that are now uh, studied and even implemented in some jurisdictions, such as the DMA and the DMU. So th there, are, yeah, there are several uh, several solutions that can be you can that can be envisaged. Yes, sir. So discussing the solutions in a bit. Thank you for telling us about the power imbalance that we see in this information market, the digital platforms, and the newspaper industry. Also, you elaborated upon the competition law concerns. Also, the French antitrust authorities case and other cases. We see that a lot of cases are going on in India too. There's a case between Digital News Publishers Association and Google where it has been alleged that Google is not providing a fair amount of revenue share to these digital publishers as well as other press publishers but using its information. So there has been a lot of engagement between big tech as well as uh, the traditional industry. Also asking you if I ask you regarding that and then we can discuss one or two other things as well. We see involvement of big tech in digital media as well. So what do you think? Is it anti-competitive per se or should we look at from an effects analysis or what is your opinion on it? Well, uh, the, um, the, the big tech is active in digital media in several uh, ways. Um, one of them, some of them are even apparently, uh, if we want to take them at face value, they are even um, pro-competitive because sometimes they are uh, funding uh, news and journalism initiatives uh, see for example Google in several European countries um, but 
on the balance, perhaps we should uh, ask ourselves whether that is not just a drop in the ocean, um, that level of funding that they are providing to um, journalism that is um, and to media companies that are uh, going through hardships due to the economic turmoil in the industry. So um, what worries me the most, uh, and I believe many of the competition lawyers around, is the investment in nascent competitors in the uh, in general in the media um, um, in in uh, not only in the print media but in general in the media business. So uh, we see that there are. Uh, promising tech startups in information markets in general. Uh, we have um, noticeable movement in that sector uh, that is also allowing um, some uh, new and small uh, info, um, uh, news, digital newspapers to reduce the cost and increase the quality of their output, uh, in particular with, um, for example, by uh, enhancing their data visualization. Uh, see here we see a, a lot of uh, data visualization softwares um, and tech startups in Europe, for example, uh, that are that are get, starting to get uh, to get traction, but also startups in the uh, that's uh, fighting that are fighting fake news, um, or also tools for civic engagements, um, like for example, populate populate one of them, um, Ada the Panama Papers leak, for example. So here, uh, it it's already something that's started a few years ago. Um, but also automated and AI-generated journalism that we could argue whether it's a good or a bad thing. But anyway, we see lots of movement in this market. And yet, what what could be worrisome is the uh, tendency to acquire a nascent competitor whenever these is successful enough to raise concerns for big uh, for big platforms. So. In this case, I wouldn't say that it's only a matter of antitrust enforcement, but perhaps also merger regulation should be uh, more stringent for the future, as it's been, at least for the last 30 years, quite lax both in Europe and in the United States. Right, so thank you so much for speaking about the involvement of big tech we see in digital media. Yes, it has both the concerns, both the effects, pro-competitive, anti-competitive, as we analyze it from uh, facts to uh, facts and circumstances of each case, each territory, each relevant market, things are different. When we talk about digital tech startups, as you just mentioned, so what is your opinion on the growing digital tech startups? We also see growing ad tech in India too. Ad tech is growing in UK. It's growing Europe. It's growing. We have digital startups and information markets. We have new news uh, media platforms. We have applications. We have uh, in interesting interactive websites to promote information, to develop uh, press uh, press or say journalism related content. 
we have youtube based journalism nowadays what do you think about the competitiveness in the industry and also the economic growth aspects yeah so the um as i mentioned before i i i totally agree with you there is um noticeable movement in this sector and um and there is also a certain amount of investment that is put in these uh in this sector um however most of these technologies are not disruptive technologies are only technologies that can help um the incumbents or anyway the um the the current players to deliver a better service right because none of these really uh replaces content creation uh especially quality content creation uh if we accept for obviously my example of automated or ai generated journalism but even in that case what a computer can do is only to reformulate information that is already available on the internet what it cannot do is to go to ukraine and check what's going on there right so that's that's not something that for example ai for time being cannot do certain type of investigative journalism for example so content creation is still left to the um uh to mostly largely to um to traditional content creators and uh however this is this technology is certainly helping to advance the services that is delivered by these uh, traditional content creators that however and still needs to go through the um the bottleneck of a few digital platforms once it reaches the point of dissemination and um uh, these this bottleneck as we were saying before um inevitably um creates issues of um unequal bargaining power that um most likely will raise at moment of negotiations of um or maybe contractual conditions between the publishers and the digital platform and possibly also abuses of power now here i am uh, i have become uh, throughout the years actually an advocate of um any um abuses of, of superior bargaining power position laws in general including those like the uh, abuses of economic dependence as we find it formulated in France or Italy um for a number of reasons because they allow uh, antitrust enforcers also to focus on the relative um dominance that sometimes takes place in certain um in certain relationships that though are that though are um usually replicated uh, throughout entire markets so the study of the uh, dominance ends to uh, it is more related to the 
relationship between the parties rather than to the finding of a market dominance that as we know in particular for multi-sided platforms is extremely complex and uh, but also allows to um, to intervene more surgically on that particular type of relationship which doesn't mean necessarily the relationship between two discrete parties but it can be as i said before a relationship that we find uh, among many different stakeholders with for example one digital platforms so these tools um, allow the um, the enforcers to intervene in a way that is different from what we are what we are accustomed in for example abuse of dominance so what i see very often is that these two tools are um, tend to be described as overlapping tools whilst i believe that they are complementary tools uh, that can be used in different situations uh, and i believe that in these sectors uh, they can be particularly useful Thank you, sir, for your opinion on the growing digital tech startups and also the competitiveness regarding. And we did some competitive analysis, competition law related conversation on this particular aspect, especially digital journalism, information markets. Concluding, Lee, I was in conclusion, I would like to ask you about your opinion on the future of digital journalism. How do you see it? Well, this is a, an important and big question. I don't know if I'm uh, particularly well placed to and uh, you know the, uh, the best person to give a, a definitive answer on this. Uh, but um, certainly digital journalism, uh, journalism in general is going through a, an important and an epochal change. Uh, the digitalization is now almost definitive and we see that the is not anymore even a trend is a fact that journalism is almost completely digitalized nowadays and so the question is what they can do what they will do with um, uh, with these uh, with the new digital tools that are provided to them I mean content creators well in uh, the best case scenario is a scenario where we see thriving mostly uh, independent and public interest uh, journalism uh, the what though I'm more concerned about is that these um, the the latest reforms that we have seen um, enacted all around the world tend to protect instead mostly large corporate media groups. What I mean by that is that um, most of the reforms, uh, for example, those in Europe um, that um, uh, largely relied on uh, copyright laws 
to help publishers but also those that we see for example in the UK and in Australia that instead created um, uh, bargaining codes industry bargaining codes to facilitate the negotiations uh, of, co- of fees of license fees or not license fees in general of, of fees uh, between uh, again digital platforms and press publishers or content creators in general they all they are all designed in a way that um, with, uh, in all likelihood those that will take advantage from these uh, from these reforms will be mostly the large uh, in the large media groups why I say that because for example uh, article 15 um, gives this new ancillary right that in theory should level the playing field in negotiations between the parties however we have seen uh, and this is not the first time in in several countries that um, that small and local press publishers um, even with these extra help coming from the government have no standing at all in requiring the payment of any fee whatsoever then for a number of reasons that here would be probably uh, too much to discuss uh, these industries also very recalcitrant to um, to unite and um, and engage in collective negotiations uh, the reasons are many as I said before including the fact that um, the information and news and newspapers industry tends to be very ideologized and also uh, tends to be quite competitive and at the same time divided within it um, but we see also the um, the bargaining codes that are for now mostly leaving to the parties and to the information that these parties in the negotiation um, uh, to, to these negotiating parties to the information that they already have access to um, and on the basis of this information that they already have the parties uh, these bargaining codes tend to facilitate a uh, the negotiation for a fair fee now we or we know that large media groups do not want to cooperate uh, or uh, collectively negotiate their uh, contracts together with local and independent and small publishers exactly because they have access to information that they don't intend to share with them this means though that uh, the um, the success of these negotiations will be mostly will mostly hinge on the access to information that is in the hands of very few market players so my uh, my concern again is that um, digital journalism may become a more concentrated industry instead of a more diverse and more 
uh, and, and a more pluralistic uh, industry. And at the same time, the uh, an aspect that is very often overseen is that we um, the diversity that we should care about is not just the diversity in the creation of the news but also in the dissemination stage of the news so if we have just a, a few digital platforms that curate and choose the information that we have access to the news that we can see and rank them uh, we have a lack of diversity also in the choice of and curation of the information that we have access to so what I'm concerned about is lack of diversity and plurality at creation stage, but also at dissemination level. Yes, thank you so much for your very relevant observations. We might not be journalists discussing about digital journalism, but we as competition fraternity or as competition students or competition academicians discussing this from an analytical point of view, the competition law analysis of digital news industry. It has been very interesting discussing this with you. It was an interesting conversation, a very relevant podcast that will be released at a very relevant time. Our case is also going on in India and also in other global jurisdictions where we see a conflict in this industry, a competition law issues in this industry. And let us see how the regulators resolve them, what are the amicable solutions and how the industry responds. So it's, it will be interesting to see also the digital journalism and the future of it. It was nice having you, sir. A very interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time and also looking forward to see you in future conversations, future podcasts of ours on other themes, other topics, other trends and other legal aspects thank you very much indeed this was for having me this was a brilliant conversation thank you thank you so much have a good day thank you